Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The face of grunge alternative rock met an untimely end when he took his own life in April of 1994. However, not all signs point to suicide. Follow me down the rabbit hole to find out who murdered Kurt Cobain. Hi, friends, and welcome back to The Rabbit Hole. I'm your host, Danny, and today we are talking about Kurt Cobain, a member of the 27 Club. And I know, I know we covered the 27 Club, but now we're just getting into just Kurt Cobain. And if he actually committed suicide or if potentially he was murdered, because there's so many signs that point to murder. Okay, so, but before we get into that, I'm going to go into a few current events because I like to stay current with you all and just throw these in there for you, just so you have a little something about what's going on in the world right now. Because some of these things, people are like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. Well, here I am to cover it. So, for those of you who are worried about how the COVID vaccine may affect your pregnancy, well, it's been confirmed. Yet again, conspiracy theorists are proved right. Because so many people I know for sure, a lot of people I know, um, are nervous or were nervous or still, still are to get the COVID vaccine if they want to continue to have babies. I have been nervous about it. I know plenty of other people that are also nervous about it. Well, information released by Dr. Naomi Wolf, who runs the website The Daily Clot, revealed that 44% of pregnant women lost their babies during the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccination trial so of course the pharmaceutical company recategorized the loss of these babies as quote recovered result adverse effects basically like okay if you got the covid vaccine and you got a headache from it and then it goes away that's the same category as if you were pregnant and had the covid vaccine and then you lost your baby because you could have another baby These people have obviously never lost a baby because like it's not something easy that you can just like get through. This is very traumatic for a lot of women, especially women that already have problems conceiving. Anyway, whatever. They (sighs) that pisses me off. But here we are. Anyway, 44 percent of women lost their babies. So I don't know specifically if it's like miscarriages, stillbirths, what have you. Right. Um, But 
44% of women that were in this vaccination trial from Pfizer to find out. And actually, when I was pregnant with my son, they asked me, they came in, they, the researchers there at the hospital, they're like, hey, we're doing a study on how the vaccine is affecting pregnant women. So they said that I could obviously get a, a placebo or I could get the vaccine and I wouldn't know. It, but at the end of it, if I got the placebo, they would give me the actual vaccine. I obviously declined because I wasn't really trying. I, I wasn't trying to risk the life of my unborn child at the time. He's now born, but he's healthy. Anyway, um, in other news, at the University of Cambridge, they have successfully created an embryo without using sperm or egg. <laughs> so that's creepy. Um, this isn't yet like a conspiracy theory per se, but I'm... <laughs> First of all, it should be if it's not. Secondly, I'm sure it's going to be very soon because what the f actual fuck? You know, like what? What? You didn't use sperm. You didn't use an egg, but you created an embryo. In other countries, you can modify embryos before they're like basically put into the mother. So they'll take the egg and the sperm and they'll pick which DNA they like. In the U.S., it's still not legal. But in other countries, they do it. There, We watched a documentary, I think maybe on Netflix about it. My husband was like, yeah, I'd for sure modify the DNA of our baby to make sure, you know, they had red hair and blue eyes or whatever, you know, like they didn't have skin conditions or heart disease or whatever, you know, but like, I don't know. I feel like messing with science too much is going to create some crazy things. And we've had so many movies about it, right? Um, they did this at Cambridge using mouse stem cells. So the embryo developed a brain and a heartbeat and the beginnings of other organs so I'm assuming that it died. I'm assuming that this mouse who developed the brain and the heartbeat and the beginnings of other organs. It's just like odd they would word it like that, you know? Like it didn't develop all the other organs. Anyway, who knows what kind of weird science fiction world we're about to live in. But let's get into the real story. Why are you here? You're here to listen to me talk about Kurt Cobain and his death. Which is just a little weird, right? Well, who is Kurt Cobain? Well, first of all, if, if you don't know the answer, just stop listening to this podcast, go listen to Smells Like Teen Spirit, and then just come back and listen to this again. Basically, like, the, the front band for, like, grunge alternative music. They kind of led the bands into the grunge scene they kind of started it and then other bands like pearl jam and Soundgarden, different bands kind of jumped in but nirvana was like number like the first one right well kurt cobain before nirvana was just kurt cobain he was born in aberdeen washington on february 20th 1967 um he was like a super hyperactive kid and he was actually put on Ritalin to calm him down and then like a sedative to help him sleep sleep at night which I could see it I could see it his parents divorced when he was young some sources say seven and some say nine so it's kind of unclear which age they divorced um I've heard nine more frequently but the the divorce had quite an effect on Cobain he was passed back and forth between his parents and other family members. Like they, he was kind of all over the place because nobody really knew how to deal with Cobain and his dad actually remarried and the lady that he married had a couple kids, but then they had a baby together and that's when Cobain and it was a, a son 
and the other kids were all girls so he didn't really care but then his dad had a son with this new wife and he was like i don't i don't know things got weird in that relationship so cobain was kind of like just passed around from family member to family member because nobody knew like what do you do with this kid cobain was talented musically from a young age and that kind of actually ran in the family a little bit but um i didn't really get into all that because whatever he didn't finish high school and was kicked out of his mom's house for not getting a job quickly enough after dropping out so basically he dropped out and then within a week his mom was like get out she like told him he needed to get a job in order to stay in her house, but then didn't give him any time to get a job. So he was basically just homeless and he lived under a bridge for a while while he tried to figure out, you know, where to go next. And that's when he started a band called fecal matter. It's just so funny to say it out loud. So the band did record a demo tape and these songs caught the attention of a bassist of the, his what Nirvana's bassist, Chris Novoselic. I'm going to say that so wrong. And I apologize, Chris Novoselic. It's it's either Novoselic or Novoselich. It's definitely not an easy name to pronounce, but whatever. Here we are. Um, and the two of them basically created Nirvana in 1986. And Novoselic and um, Cobain actually went to high school together and Cobain had attempted to recruit him prior to Nirvana. And he was like, no way, man, you're crazy. You're full of it. And then he was like, hey, check out this music I recorded with my band, Fecal Matter. And Noah Selleck was like, oh, yeah, this is this good. Like, th there's some potential here. So he became the basis for Nirvana. I tried not to go into too many details about, like, all the little things. If you want to know a lot about, like, pre-Nirvana Kurt Cobain and what he did and a lot about Nirvana just in general go do that on your own time I'm here to talk about the conspiracy theory behind Cobain's death yes these are things that led up to him dying because you know he had to be alive to die but all the little tiny details I kind of just left out so you do that Nirvana became Nirvana because Cobain was actually super into religions and um he Nirvana came from like the Buddhist religion. So he liked to study and look into different religions, all of them, not just one in particular. And Nirvana, the, you know, the word came from, and the, the title for his band then came from the Buddhist religion. He wanted the music to be quote, free from pain, suffering and external world unquote, which actually fit the Buddhist philosophy, which I'm sure go hand in hand, which is why he named it Nirvana. Nirvana went through so many drummers and recorded their first demo with the drummer of the band, the Melvins in 1988. And the Melvins were actually a grunge band as well. They didn't get as popular right away, but they had like, you know, a pretty steady drummer for a while, but their drummer did help out with Nirvana a bunch because I know we all know that um, Dave Grohl was eventually the drummer for Nirvana. He didn't become the drummer until, like, way later. Anyway, they went through, like, six drummers before they ever got him. By the summer of 1988, Nirvana was playing a lot of shows and touring the Pacific Northwest. This is when this type of alternative rock kind of became known as grunge. And um, this happened with the emergence of Nirvana, as well as like Pearl Jam, Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, the Melvins, um, just to name a couple. But a lot of them, actually, I would say, I think all of these guys came from the Pacific Northwest. 
And honestly, if you've ever been to the Pacific Northwest in any time besides like June or July or August, you understand why everyone's like a little grungy out there. I lived there for multiple years. I love it out there. However, I can't live my whole life in the grayness of the Pacific Northwest. It's a beautiful area, though. You should definitely check it out. Um, Nirvana's first album, Bleach, was released in June of 1989 and got really good reviews. And then in 1990, that's when Cobain met Courtney Love and David Grohl. And it was a really big year for him because... Uh, we'll get into more like of love and his love life in you know in just a little while, but the band was happy to have finally found a drummer that they were impressed enough with to keep and that kind of like fit fit like their personalities because that's kind of why they went through so many drummers and the drummer for the Melvins came back twice I think because. The other guys, like, just, they either didn't fit or they weren't super impressed with their drumming or it just wasn't, like, it wasn't Nirvana, you know? In September of 1991, Nirvana released their most popular album, Nevermind. In September of 1993, the that band released their third album called In Utero. But Nirvana, Nirvana never really wanted to be in the spotlight. And Cobain was actually kind of, like, a troll about it. Actually, they all were. Cobain um, was a troll on MTV when they asked, like, basically MTV was like, hey, come play on MTV. And he was like, ah, and he was kind of a troll. Um, Chris and Dave actually made out at the end. They performed on Saturday Night Live twice. At the end of their first performance on Saturday Night Live, they made out. Like, they were just goofball kids, you know? Like, you just got to think about these guys. And they were just like, just wanted to play their music. And people just liked them. And it just became bigger and bigger and bigger well they didn't really they didn't really want to be in the spotlight but also nirvana like i said earlier kind of became the front band or like the the face of like the grunge scene and like they kind of made grunge popular and then everybody else not that they like rode their coattails but people found the other bands because of nirvana so i mean they just kind of ended up being the frontmen. Anyway, Nirvana only released the three albums. There was another album release that was kind of like just like bits and pieces of different things kind of all put together. But that wasn't actually released by Nirvana. That was released by their manager or their record label or somebody else that wanted to release more music. But Nirvana only did the three albums, Bleached, Nevermind, and In, Your, you, in Utero. Excuse me. Let's get into Cobain's love life. So Cobain met Courtney Love at a nightclub in 1990 in January. And at first he kind of ignored her advances. Like she was super infatuated with him and he liked her. He definitely was like, I want to be with this girl. However, he had just gotten out of a relationship and he wanted to remain single for a while, um, which was really hard. Love was infatuated with Cobain for about a year prior to this nightclub encounter. Cobain was introduced to heroin in the late 1980s. But the addiction really progressed after his relationship with love or with Courtney started. Um, he was he was a serious heroin. I mean, they both did heroin. They did a lot of heroin. And that's going to be a, like a basis of this story. The couple got married in, on Waikiki Beach on February 24th of 1992. Love showed up wearing a wedding dress like she looked good, you know, and Cobain was like, yeah, I'm just going to wear my pajamas. And eight people showed up to their wedding 
Dave Grohl was one of them. I don't know all eight people, but I know that for sure. <laughs> At the time of their wedding, Love was already pregnant with their daughter, Frances Bean Cobain, who was born on August 18th of 1992. And this makes me wonder if this was one of the factors that led the two to get married. Like, this is just me speculating, but like, I'm wondering because she was pregnant, like, is that why he was like, oh, we should probably get married, you know? Um, while pregnant, Love does admit to using heroin, which is super, super good for your unborn, unborn child. But because of that, Francis was taken away from them right when she was born. And the two were in a custody battle with the state after Francis was born because, you know, they wanted to get her back. It was quite the, like quite an intense custody battle, but they ended up getting full custody of their daughter back, which I honestly like don't know how they'd never lost her again because everyone was using drugs around Francis when she was little during during Nirvana's last tour, Cobain overdosed on Rohypnol-laced champagne, which actually caused him to go to the hospital. But Love claimed that this was, like, his first suicide attempt, right? And this is, like, hindsight 2020, right? She was like, oh, yeah, I could see that it was him, you know, like a warning sign because he was attempting to commit suicide. Well, she took the exact same stuff. She just, like, didn't have the same effects, which makes me wonder, like, was her tolerance just so much higher than his that she had the exact same rohypnol laced champagne and it didn't affect her the way it affected him and he had to go to the hospital and get his stomach pumped? He was in Germany at the time and they were doing, you know, their European tour and it was his last tour. He never toured again after this. But, like, it's just... Again, me speculating, you know, like maybe she just had a really high tolerance, but she does claim that this was his first suicide attempt. She made everything look like suicide, which is why it was so easy for us as a public to believe suicide, right? Because he died. Well, hmm, I don't know about all that because during the same tour, Cobain had called his lawyer and was asking to rewrite his will to take Courtney out of it. He was planning on divorcing her. And the new will was written up, but Cobain didn't actually get a chance to sign it before he died. Courtney did insist on a prenup before they got married because she assumed, and actually most people assume that she would actually be more famous than Cobain. So she was like, we'd for sure need a prenup because I'm going to make all the money and you're not getting any of it. Well, that's not how that worked out at all because... Kurt ended up being way more fam famous than Courtney Love. Um, she was actually the one that was pushing for Kurt to demand more money from the, the band instead of the revenue being split evenly between the three members. So initially Nirvana was like, yeah, let's just split it three ways. Like we're all three band members here. Let's just do it that way. It's the most fair. And in, honestly, nobody really cared about the money. They were just like playing music, like living life. And it was just a, a bonus that they made money doing this. Well, Courtney was like, you need more money. You need more money. And you'll read it if you go and look into it. Like, you're going to read that he demanded or he he wanted more money. That was never, like, Cobain, if you know anything about him as a person. It was always Courtney Love, like, basically, like, throwing it down his throat. And he was like, I don't even want to argue with you anymore. Like, yes, I will ask them if I can get more money. Um, I mean, she had good reasons or it seemed I guess it seemed like she had good reasons because 
he was the one that was writing most of the songs, which is fine. But the other guys had to like help write the music. It wasn't just like lyrics. Like there was music behind it. So I don't know. Anyway, Kurt wasn't actually that interested in money, but Courtney was. And I'm wondering if she, I mean, we know later on that she for sure knew a divorce coming, but I'm wondering if she knew at this time that he called the lawyer and like wanted to rewrite the will. And I'm wondering if she actually laced, I mean, obviously they both knew that the champagne was laced, but if she like put too much in his champagne, the Rohypnol, to try to like kill him then and just blame it on suicide then. I mean, how long was she planning this out? Um, I, I, don't, I don't know. It's just, I again, me just going off the rails here. After the couple returned home, there were some domestic issues, which involved Love calling the police to their Seattle home. Um, Cobain had basically locked himself into a, gu- into a room with guns and pills. And the police, when they came, they, they took three guns with them when they left. Cobain said that he wasn't trying to attempt to end his life. He was just hiding from Courtney. He's like, I'm, I'm not trying to kill myself. I just can't stand this bitch anymore. I should also mention that Kurt Cobain was a fan of guns. He enjoyed them. He enjoyed having them around. He had a hobby of shooting them. He was like a a good, educated gun owner. You know, you have to have, you know, the proper education, gun safety, all that. And he did all that. He knew what to do. He didn't like brandish firearms. He wasn't like out there being crazy. He was just, he just liked his guns. And so he had multiples of them. Um, he also didn't have bodyguards so he needed his guns to basically protect his house from fans and other people trespassing but of course he wasn't trying to kill anybody he was just trying to like basically scare people to leave him alone again he didn't want to be this famous this was just an accident apparently um after this incident courtney and some of kurt's friends staged an intervention for kurt and convinced him to go to rehab and he agreed and they found him a facility in los angeles before he left for rehab, though, Cobain acquired a shotgun. He called his friend Dylan and was like, hey, I need help finding a shotgun. Like, I, I just need to basically keep people off my property. His friend did ask him if he could hold the gun for him while he went to rehab. And Cobain's like, no, for sure. Like, I just want to have it at my house. I want to have possession of it. I want to know where it's at. That way, when I get out of rehab, when I come home, I know exactly where it's at. I know what to do with it, you know? So then Kurt went off to rehab. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Our most precious asset is our time. So many people wish they had more of it. What would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? But no matter how short you are on time, you will always find a way to fit in things that are important to you. Therapy can help you identify the most important things in your life and prioritize them. Life can get away from you and it can be hard to take back the reins. Whether you need to learn how to set boundaries, become the best version of yourself, or even break generational curses, therapy can help. The best thing about BetterHelp is that it's totally online, so you can fit it into your busy schedule. 
we don't have an extra hour in our day. So not having to commute to therapy makes it so much more convenient. You'll be matched with a licensed therapist after filling out a brief questionnaire. And what's great is if you don't mesh well with that therapist, you can switch at any time for no additional fee. You don't have time to waste. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com rabbit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash rabbit. And he stayed at the facility for two whole days before he scaled the wall and caught a flight back to Seattle. That was on April 1st. On April 8th of 1994, Kurt Cobain was found dead in his Seattle home by an electrician that was there to install security lights. Makes sense that there would be an electrician there to install security lights because Cobain was worried about trespassers. This must have been a real big issue. Um, his apparent suicide. Man, they instantly, the cops did a bang up job with this one because they walked in. They were instantly like, yep, this is a suicide and didn't do any police work. They didn't send off the toxicology for a long time. Like they didn't send it off. They finally did. Like they just walked in. They're like, yep. It's uh, open and shut. However, I was listening to a podcast or a YouTube or something. I was listening to somebody talk because I know I didn't read it. That and it was a retired police officer who said you should always treat every crime, every scene as a crime until it's proven 100% without any doubts that it is, um, that it is a suicide or a, a homicide. Well. They didn't do that in this case, which, like, if they had even looked, like, even half a second longer, they could have looked around and been like, yeah, this could potentially be a homicide. Nope, they didn't do that. They just were like, yep, suicide, case closed. That's done. And I'm sure that made all the, you know, people that were behind this super happy because they staged it to look like a suicide. Well, on April 4th, uh, so four days before Cobain was found dead, not that he died, but before he was found, Love reported Cobain as missing because he had left the rehab. Uh, she did sign the missing person's report with his mother's name and made sure to include that she thought that he was suicidal. Basically, from the time that he left the rehab facility to the time that he was found dead by apparent suicide... He, she would tell anybody and everybody that he thought that he, he, she thought that he was suicidal. He's probably going to kill himself. He's acting very suicidal, which is funny because the two, the, the several people visited him in the two days that he was at the rehab facility and they said that he didn't seem suicidal at all. He seemed like he was doing okay. I mean, he was only there for two days, granted, but he didn't seem suicidal. He seemed okay. And don't get me wrong, I understand that some people that do commit suicide do not act suicidal. I I know that. However, he did have things to live for, like his daughter, even though he was going to divorce his wife, and she knew it. Love got arrested on April 7th on drug charges, which is just very convenient because if you're in jail, you have an airtight alibi. I don't think it was actually Love that pulled the trigger, but... I think she was behind it. Kurt's body was found on the 8th, but the coroner found that he was most likely died like on the 5th of April. And then when Cobain, when Cobain went missing, Love had hired a private investigator to try to find him. This investigator is Tom Grant. Love hired Grant on April 3rd. Tom Grant, and he was from Los Angeles. 
would end up being like the downfall of the suicide theory. Tom Grant, after looking into this, and he was an ex, uh, ex-cop. And actually, I think it's him that said you always treat every every scene like a homicide until proven suicide, right? But he's an ex-cop, and he he will end end up being like basically the fall, the downfall of Courtney with the suicide thing, even though it's still technically ruled a suicide and it's mostly believed it was a suicide. Here's some things that Grant found during his investigation. Courtney knew that Kurt wanted a divorce and asked one of her attorneys to find the quote, meanest, most vicious divorce lawyer unquote she could find. She was going to fight him and try to take as much money as she could because she was thirsty for her. she's gonna hear this podcast and sue the fuck out of me anyway she was thirsty for money somehow now like currently she has all the rights to nirvana's songs which to me like does not make any sense because there's two other band members that are still alive and well i mean dave Grohl went on to do the foo fighters and um chris i'm not even gonna attempt his last name he basically just like didn't do music anymore and just went on to live his life like he's just he's alive he's doing fine he's just not doing music how does she still have the right or she has all the rights to the nirvana songs anyway get off that soapbox kurt had a credit card with him that's how he paid for the flight back to seattle from los angeles after he left rehab someone was using that credit card up until the day he was found which just seems like too convenient that all of a sudden, the day he was found, the day he was maybe supposed to be found, his credit card just stopped being used. Which the coroner pro- proved that he was he was dead probably on the 5th. Most likely on the 5th. So, like, that's three days of dead Kurt running around using his credit card? Hmm. That doesn't make any sense. whatever 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 um Cobain's shotgun wasn't checked for prints until about a month after the singer was found the police had basically just ruled it a suicide from the get-go so they didn't really look for any clues or any you know leads that may lead to something else to change their minds their minds were made up suicide well when the gun was finally checked for prints no prints were legible the prints that were on the gun were smeared Basically, like, somebody had wiped off the gun. Which, if you remember, Kurt purchased this gun before he left for rehab. And then, he, like, is supposed to have committed suicide with it. So, his prints should have been all over this gun. Like, there should have been prints everywhere. He, I mean, how how is a dead man supposed to, first of all, use his credit card? Also, how is he supposed to wipe off this gun? How is there not one good clear like i can understand a couple smeared fingerprints but you don't have one fingerprint on this whole gun and that's not suspicious to you (sighs) now let's get into the suicide note the first part of this note does seem to be written by cobain to his fans basically as a message that he is quitting music and it's been confirmed by dave Grohl that nirvana was breaking up at the time they were basically going to be done they didn't need to make any more music they were good um and i mean kurt never really wanted to be famous he just wanted to play music so he could still play music and just like go on living his life he never really wanted everything that came with nirvana the later part of the note 
that addresses Courtney and Francis has been questioned by many handwriting experts as to like if if, if it's even Kurt's handwriting at all because the everything about it is just it's not the same at all even the pressure down to the pressure of the pen on the paper is just not the same um courtney was caught many times practicing handwriting in the in like the way kurt would write his letters she was practicing his handwriting like copying it which seems very weird um and of course at the candlelight vigil love held for cobain just a couple days after his body was found, she read parts of the so-called suicide note for the fans that showed up. The note in question here, it never once mentioned him wanting to kill himself. And all the parts that mentioned like Courtney or Francis or anything that might have been construed as like a suicide part type note, that's all not in his handwriting or excuse me, potentially not in his handwriting, allegedly, right? So I don't... <laughs> It's just really convenient that she would read those parts and not the part that said, hey, I'm going to quit music, which is really what the top part of the note sounded like. It doesn't sound like, oh, I'm going to kill myself. It's like, hey, I'm just like over this. This isn't what I wanted it to be anymore, which is where you get that quote. It's better to burn out than to fade away or whatever, um, because he was just like going to just be done and move on. Um, Courtney had a secret second note that she kept a secret from everyone. News of this note slipped out during a Rolling Stone interview she did. Apparently, this note said Kurt was leaving her and music, but never said anything about him wanting to die. Like, not once was he like, yeah, I'm, I'm just going to die. I'm, I'm leaving the world. He never said, I'm leaving the world. He just said, like, I'm leaving you. I'm leaving music. I'm just going to change my life. Um, Cobain was injected or had injected. There was three times the legal dose of heroin in his system. Now, don't get me wrong. He was a heroin addict and his tolerance was probably pretty high because he was a heroin addict, but it wasn't three times the lethal dose high. Like there's no way that even like the most experienced heroin addict can't inject themselves with a lethal, lethal dose three times over and then not die. Like that's impossible. Diazepam was also found in his system, and this drug is used for anxiety. So, I mean, he could be on anxiety pills. But wouldn't this much heroin immediately incapacitate Cobain? They want us to believe that he injected himself with a minimum of 225 milligrams of heroin and then put all of his drug paraphernalia back in his cigar box, all neat and tidy, and then picked up a shotgun and killed himself. Most addicts that have taken even close to this amount would have either died instantly or passed out basically also instantly they inject themselves. It goes right into their bloodstream and then they just like kind of fall over. People have been found with a, not this much heroin, but a significant amount of heroin. They didn't even have time to take the needle out of their arm because there's so much heroin coursing through their veins. There's no way if he was found with this much heroin in his system that he was able to even like blink, let alone kill himself, like with, shoot himself with a shotgun. And the gun, <sighs> this gun was bought to ward off trespassers. I told you earlier that he wasn't really trying to kill anybody. He was just trying to like, you know, warn people to stay away. 
Well, the gun he killed himself with was a Remington Model 11 with a cuts com- uh, compensator. And these guns have barrels that typically are about 28 inches long, which is how long his was. Not to- That includes the compensator. And Cobain's sleeve length was about 32-ish inches long. So that's from like, you know, the, the middle of the shoulder down to his wrist, his sleeve length. Well... That means that it's going to be a strain to get that trigger pulled. But also, you have to note that he's putting this gun into his mouth, which now doesn't make it, like, it's it's now a little further away from his arm, right? Uh, or from where his sleeve would start, technically, right? Because it's in his mouth, and he's reaching all the way down 28, and there's pictures of this gun, man. It is long. It is not, like, an easy gun. And he put the sucker in his mouth and he pulled the trigger. And then he wiped off all the prints after that. And he continued to use his, his credit card for a couple days. After he put enough heroin in his system to tranquilize a horse and packed it all up nice and neat next to him. Then put the gun in his mouth. And then continued to use his credit card for multiple days later. <laughs> Things aren't adding up. Anyway. Cobain knew guns. He enjoyed them. He had a hobby. You know, he knew guns, He, which means that he also knew the kind of ammo to load into his gun for whatever type of, you know, he needs it for. Whatever type of kill. I don't want to say kill because he wasn't trying to kill anybody. He was trying to scare people. But whatever ammo he needed for the job, for the purpose, right? Well, he shot himself with birdshot, which birdshot is a lot less aggressive. And there's a YouTube video in my show notes that will kind of explain all the different the different gun points about Cobain, but um, or about this so-called suicide. He was shot with birdshot. If he was trying to kill himself, I'm sure he would have probably used buckshot because buckshot's gonna get the job done. And if you're gonna shoot yourself in the head. You're not trying to, like, fuck around, for lack of a better term. You're not trying to, like, oh, I hope I I hope I die. No way. If you're going to shoot yourself in the head, you're, like, try, you're going. You're done. There's no way that somebody who knows guns is going to put birdshot into his shotgun and then reach down that far after shooting up that much heroin to kill himself with birdshot. Are you kidding me? And there's plenty of people just, like, in the world that have been shot in the head as well with birdshot and lived. This shot is not even, it wasn't even enough to like come out the back of his head. Like that, there wasn't even like, there's no exit wound. All the bird shots are still in his head, just rattling around. Which like, I understand that a 22 kind of does that. That's why they call it, you know, the assassin's weapon. But still, not the point. To commit suicide, you're not taking chances of potentially living through it. You're trying to die. And let's talk about the guy that was living in the house at the time. So when Courtney Love hired Tom Grant, the investigator, she was like, don't you worry about the Seattle house because we have our nanny, Michael, who also went by Callie. I'm going to call him Callie. Do it. He lives in our house and he's our living nanny and he's there. So if Cobain shows up, don't you worry, he'll call us and we'll know if he's there. And Callie's like, "Yeah, for sure, man. Like if if Cobain shows up, if Kurt shows up, I'll I don't you don't need to worry. Don't surveil this house. It's good." And multiple times Grant said, "Hey, I should probably surveil, you know, the 
like Seattle home as well while I'm doing all this other investigating. And she was like, no, no, no. She insisted. They both insisted. Do not go to the Seattle house, which is like pretty weird that he was then found at the Seattle house, which is probably his house of choice. Honestly, Callie lived there with his girlfriend, Jessica Hopper, which is important because I have some things about her. She caught a plane on the 6th. She left Seattle on the 6th of April. Remember, Cobain wasn't found until the 8th. Just as two days before he was found. She claims that she was vomiting and sick and so disgusted and she couldn't like contain herself when she got on this plane because she was so disgusted. However, she got on the plane on the 6th. So, why were you disgusted and puking and sick to your stomach that you couldn't stop thinking about how gross what was what did you see what do you know but she of course avoids that part but she'll she claims that she was sick and grossed out and blah blah blah. but if you look at (laughs) money trail never lies right look at the money she didn't catch that that plane the day he died she caught it or the day he was found rather she caught it two days before he was found hmm And in a recent book tour, she was actually asked about the events that happened in April of 1994, and she broke down crying all over again. Basically, was, like, trying to avoid questions. She was freaking out. She was just, like, distraught, this woman, recently. And this is how many years later? I mean, I was born in 94, and I'm about to be 28. So, 28 years ago, and she's still this upset about it. I understand, like, being sad about a death, but so sad that 28 years later you still can't talk about it like i don't don't know that's 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 pretty that's that's a pretty deep cut there apparently the couple both callie and jessica hopper they both loved courtney love and they followed her around like lost puppies they were just like oh my gosh you're the best and this is because she they either really liked her they really loved her they really wanted to be in her life or They just really liked that they could score free heroin off of her. Which is really good, considering that Callie is the nanny for Francis. So, he's the nanny. He's supposed to be taking care. And I heard somewhere that Courtney Love and Callie had a relationship at some point. And then she hired him to be the nanny. But he's hooked on drugs, too. So, everyone around this kid is on drugs. And that's just a side note. That has nothing to do with Kurt Cobain's murder. But... The whole time that, like I said, that Grant was looking for Cobain, he was told, don't you worry about the Seattle house. Grant actually went up to the, because he did get to go into the Seattle house the night before, so the 7th, the night before Cobain was found. He went into the Seattle house. He looked around. He was there. However, he didn't go into the garage. Cobain was found in like the green room above, or the greenhouse, excuse me, above the garage. And it seems like, like it's weird access and you probably wouldn't know it's up there unless you know it's up there. And so he didn't really, he didn't go up there. He didn't even go into the garage. I'm pretty sure he just looked around the house and then he left. Well, when the body was found and this guy remember is an ex cop, he went up to the cops and he's like, Hey, I was here last night. Like I was literally like last night I was here and the cops were like, Oh, whatever. We don't care. Basically like come back when we're not so busy and we might talk to you about it potentially if we have time, like they did not care. It was an open and shut case. I mean, obviously, Courtney's got an airtight alibi because she was arrested on the 7th and she was in jail. There's no way that she could have done it, except the coroner says that he was dead on the 5th. I don't, like, here's my thoughts. Here's my my theory here. 
I don't think that Courtney did it. I think that she couldn't have done it because why do it when you can pay somebody else to do it, right? Keep your hands clean. Plausible deniability. You weren't actually there. Well, I think that she had Callie do it because later, like right after this whole thing happened, she says that she gave Callie $30,000 to go to rehab. And then she was mad that Callie took his girlfriend with her, which like, I don't know much about rehab, so maybe this is, like, just ignorance on my part. But I'm pretty sure you can't take loved ones with you. I don't think you could just take your girlfriend with you to rehab. But also, why wouldn't she just pay for the rehab instead of giving him $30,000? There's just too many fishy scenarios here. Like, too many things that just don't quite add up to say this was a suicide. So I'd love to hear, I mean, I know I end this like this every single time, but I'd love to hear from you guys. What do you think? Do you think that Cobain committed suicide? I mean, it's it's still maybe possible if you're insane, but it's possible for sure. I feel like that's more a conspiracy theory than that he was murdered. But um, <laughs> here we are, murdered. Let me know. I would love to hear from you guys. As always... Leave me a review, you know, share my, my, uh, my show on your socials. I, I really love doing this and I love to get this content out for you and it helps me to have more listeners. So if you guys could help me out, I'd appreciate it. I love you guys. And as always, my friends stay skeptical and I will see you all next week. The Rabbit Hole is an independent podcast with everything you hear done by me, Danny Mercy. We thrive on listeners like you. If you like what you're hearing, please leave us a rating or review wherever you're listening. Follow us on Instagram at rabbit.holepodcast. Special thank you to Zakar Valaha Music for our intro. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.